Uh, I want to go back to something in worship. Lena says, think about the greatest thing that you were in, the greatest time, breakthrough, whatever, and then just believe God to increase that. If you ask the disciples when Jesus was in the grave, what was the greatest time? They would say, back here. Because when Jesus died, their plans died. When G- because when Jesus was born, it's Christmas time, we celebrate the birth of Jesus. When Jesus was born, they all had their plans. And we all have our plans through every breakthrough. This business, this relationship is going to do this, this, and this. But when Jesus was in the grave, now what? Because, see, the thing is, they didn't have a Bible they were walking around with. They couldn't pre-read. The Bible says Jesus died and was buried. Period. Three days later, he rose again, but they're not reading. Oh, he's going to rise. No, all their dreams ended with that. Because when they asked Jesus, they kept saying, we have to remember when Jesus was on the earth, when he was living on the earth, the Jews were under Roman rule. Now, when I say under Roman rule, I'm not talking about living with them. I'm talking about laws with them. I'm talking about they couldn't do certain things. They couldn't go certain places. They had to celebrate over here. here. They were under Roman rule. So they asked Jesus, when are you going to topple Rome? Because that's our plans. So the greatest time for the disciples when Jesus was on the earth, signs, wonders, miracles, how can that relate? Because with, with dreams are never dead with Jesus, they can rise better than before. See, when Jesus rose again and the kingdom was released, the disciples now were released, and now the 12 became 3,000 and 4,000 and 5,000 and 6,000. So when you give God your dreams in the tomb, he can give you Jesus in the tomb, but one is going to rise greater than the other. Something needs to be buried. So the disciples' plans buried. So when Lena talked about, hey, we need to go back to the greatest times and think about what God wants to increase, because what happens is we put a period and we move on from that, not realizing God can raise that back up. to. to for, let me give you an example. GJ's had revival days back in the day, before my time. When I... Some of you guys know Blaine. How many know Blaine? When I first went to Roswell, Blaine, I, I, I came after the great move that he was in. It was that very many people. It was dead. And I just kept, encur- I go, Blaine, God has sent me here to encourage you. And it's not to talk about what used to be. It's talk about the God that is. Because in Revelation, Jesus says, I am, I was, I am, and I am to be. That means when you give God your dreams and your plans, okay, God, my dreams can die. I thought this, this, and this. We thought Jesus was going to trample Rome. Peter says, Jesus, you cannot die. So they read the scriptures. We heard the prophecies, but they misinterpreted it. And we misinterpret things all the time. I'm going to go to the nations. I think, okay, I'm going to go to the nations. I'm going to be famous. You not realize you're going to go to a village in India. No one's going to recognize you. And, but heaven's going to know you. See, we need to give him his plans, and when he raises it up, it will be different, but it will be better than what we thought. Because when Jesus rose, now he says, now you go, and then they had the same power. Greater works. Instead of watching Jesus and reporting to Jesus, now the Holy Spirit was walking with them, and they were doing, that's greater. Jesus says, it's good that I go away. Why? Because I am contained in this body. But when I die, the Holy Spirit will be released. And when the Holy Spirit comes in you, the lover comes in you. The one that can prophesy comes in you. The one that gives you the ability to forgive. Now you're no longer coming to me. What do we do with the bread? Now I'm putting it in your hands and you decide what you want to do. It's reaching the kingdom. So Lord, I thank you for everything that was good in our life, everything that was great in our life, everything we thought ended or that revival, that relationship, that church, that this. God, we give it to you and we say, you breathe on it better than it was before. Every dead bones, every dry situation. Look, you don't need music to believe God. So we, I love worship. We, we get in those flows and things, and sometimes I feel things, sometimes I don't. It's not about feeling something. It's about believing something. Because you can believe it and feel it, and then Monday morning comes, and then the bills come, and all of a sudden it all goes away. 
I'm going to go wait till next Sunday to be feel good again. Friends, if the only time you feel good on Sunday, that's six days you're not feeling good. Six times four is 20. That's a lot of days. So what we do, we give him our plans. We give him our dreams. And what is buried that he wants to keep buried, we bury. But what he wants to breathe on, he can breathe on. Amen? So Lena talked about going back. Think about all the greatest times. So I started thinking. Let me just say this. When there's instructions from our worship leaders, whether it's uh, Pastor Allen or Lena or Courtney or whatever, we, it's not so that there's a break in worship. It's that there's an instruction. And when there's an instruction, we need to heed it. And when we heed it, we listen to it. Okay, let's, uh, there's deliverance in the room. You can go, oh, there's del- I don't need deliverance. Or you can start pressing in for deliverance. How you activate yourself in worship has a lot to do when you leave these doors. And so you can get in your car, you, and you can think, God, what do you want to do in my life that was better than before? I give you my best, now make it better. I give you my best days, now make it better. God, I give you my plans, now make it better. We wanted to take over Rome, and you said the kingdom will preach across the whole world. Kids, think, Peter, Paul, Peter, James, and John, you want to take over Rome and just Jerusalem. We just want to reach Sugarland. No, I don't want to just reach Sugarland. I want to reach the world. It's not just about filling these seats up with young people. It's about firebrands being set out to other nations. See, our plans are very low level. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your plans are not my plans, but they can be if we have the mind of Christ. That means we can think like him because we think too low. I think too low. So Blaine's in Roswell, a very little church, start to encourage him. God sends him out. See, Blaine, it's not about you having a big church in Roswell. And Blaine says, God, how can people come? And they get saved, and they go to other churches. And God told Blaine, I've called you to be an entrance to the kingdom. Let them go. See, Blaine, you're thinking too small. They come in, get saved, go. And I'm not saying that's it. Then Blaine started traveling. Now he's in Mexico. See, we won't know these plans unless we let go of these plans. Jesus, you're not called to die. He said, get behind me, Satan. So I don't know what your best days were, but your plans need to die. God, we give you our plans. We give you how revival thinks it's going to be. We think it's going to be this Sunday, this person, this guest speaker, this offering. God, we give you our plans. Then we can go higher. He said, Peter, get behind me. He just said, I'm going to build my church on you. What? Now get behind me, Satan. Why? Was he calling Peter Satan? No, he's gone. Out of his mouth. That is a satanic thought. You're not going to die. Sounds good. I'm not going to die. Thank you. You're not going to have to go to a nation and be unknown. Thank you. Not God's thought. I'm called to die. But when I die and that seed goes in the ground, it's alone. But when it goes in the ground, then it bears much fruit. And you're here because Jesus died and someone told someone. It didn't stop with the 12. So your dreams cannot stop. Jesus didn't see the 12. He saw the whole world. We see how many people are here. He sees the nations that are in you. He sees the kids that are in you. He sees the kids that you're going to lay hands on and have revival. He sees other nations. Dale says it's best. From there, you can go anywhere in the world from where you're sitting. And it's true. So Blaine was thinking about little small Roswell. I want to build Roswell. God was thinking about a kingdom. So we went out. We went out and we started going to all these churches. And we started having revivals. I've been in this four-hour service in Mexico, and I would just weep, weep. And Blaine was in the van. He goes, Johnny, I'm telling you, the prophetic was in you. And he, over that, the Holy Spirit. I can tell you so many experiences. Four hours felt like 20 minutes. But he was trying to build up the little Roswell kingdom. And God says, give the church to someone else. I want you to travel. But Blaine wasn't thinking that. He was trying to grow our seed. So we say, oh, I thought this was going to be this. And when it's not that, then what? Then you bury it. But in that grave is Jesus. And out the tomb he rose. Amen? So, what's your point? The point is, how great, how best, how this doesn't matter, your age. You're like, okay, I raised my kids. Some of them were bad, some were good. We won't go into that. Now they're all, we're, we're praying for them. I'm going to kind of live my life. No, you never kind of live your life. You may not work the job you worked. You may retire from that, but there's no retirement in the kingdom. 
So, God, I thank you for every person in here. It's not too early. It's not too late to do the things that you've called them to do as we step out and do those things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you got some of that, all of it. And that's for me. That's just not like, oh, John, no, no, John needs it too. This isn't, oh, John's super. No, John's not super. But I want to talk about if I passed out a piece of paper to every Christian in the world and say, what do you want to talk about? What do you want to preach about? There would be so many different answers. Some would say, I want to talk about the gift. Some would talk about, I want to talk about ministry. Some would say, John is the Antichrist alive on the planet Earth. Some would say this. Some would say that. We'd say all kinds of things. But if I gave God a piece of paper and I said, you write, what's the most important thing on your heart? What would he say? He already did. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am also known. And now abides faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. If I could tell God, God, I want to prophesy everybody our love, he would say, I, I prefer you love. God, I want to go to Mexico and give my body to be burned for the gospel or love. If I had a choice, he would say, I want you to love. There's nothing more powerful than the love of God. I'm not talking about the love of the world. Inside, when you got saved, you got the Holy Spirit. And inside you lives a lover. We need to let the lover out. The Holy Spirit is a lover. The Holy Spirit is kind. When it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it's not fruit of a... Now, we understand everybody's made in the image of God. But people that are not born again cannot fully display his image. You, they can love to a certain extent. They can be moral to a certain extent. Because they'll go, I'm moral, I'm good compared to what? Not compared to him. It's just like people that have unforgiveness. They'll always start with what they did, never with what Jesus did. They never say, you know, Jesus died on the cross for me, but I hate them. They never start with that. They always go, they did this, and they hold on to that. They never, we need to look at Jesus and the love of God. So we want to, and we're going to tie it all in. How, why does God want to bring better days? Because he loves you. Why does God want to heal? Because he loves you. Why does God prophesy? Because he loves you. But it's no good to have revival, but hate the person three seats behind you. Hate Hate is God's enemy. Now, when we look at love as the world loves, as the world loves, when you, no one loved more than Jesus, right? But when you look at what he spoke, some of it wasn't, didn't seem very loving. Because love speaks the truth. Speak the truth in love. Love doesn't lie. If there's a fire, I'm not going to say there's no fire, just sleep. If someone's in sin, we need to pull them out in love. There's a loving way. And I'm not talking about having signs, burning hell, and all those things. I'm talking about there is no formula for evangelism. God may have you speak one thing to one person and one thing to another. There's no form. One of the most powerful testimonies I've ever heard. This guy, he, he, was, he was amazing. He was amazing. He goes, 
I was not a Christian, and everybody came up to me with the four spiritual laws. God loves you, has a plan for your life. He goes, that didn't move me. This one guy came up to me and goes, your life is a stench in God's nose, and it wrecked me. Why? God sent that person. Friend, there's no formula. Now, if you go around telling everybody that your life is a stench in God's nose, that's not going to work so well. You might get a black eye. Why? Jesus healed with mud because he loved. He sent his word because he loved. He touched because he loved. Walking, the woman who didn't even have a conversation with you, just touched his clothes and healing went out. Why? Because love is always ready to act. Love moves. Man and woman sin, they were hiding. Love was pursuing. Friends, we have a lover, and that is the Holy Spirit, and God wants us to love people, and but we first have to receive his love. You cannot love like God loves unless you receive his love, because many people get saved, but they have shame and guilt, and they never feel accepted. They feel like they live in the house as a servant, not realizing they're a son or a daughter. Jesus did not die on the cross just to forgive you your sins. To give you a real simple example, it's like, I know this is maybe not a good example, but like you put, I'm going to put flashlights in the battery. Why? So you have a light. Jesus died to remove sin. Why? So he can be reunited with his creation. There is a reason why. He died for your sins so that he can reunite you as a son and a daughter, not just as a, someone in the image of God. So he has a purpose for that. So as you receive him as a son and daughter, when you receive Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit enables you to do to love. Because in, in my ability, I have, my love has limits. And some of you are like, yeah, it has really low limits. Some of you are like, <laughs> but with the love of God, when I go to the Holy Spirit, he enables you to love. It does not mean you can't correct. It does not mean you don't have boundaries. It does not mean you're trampled over. It means no matter what they do to me, that does not change who I am in the Holy Spirit. I don't say they did, Jesus did. Jesus died on the cross. That goes over. God so loved the world that he gave. Every motive is love. Every word is love. He went to prepare a place for you because love. Prophecy and church services, we won't have them in heavens, friend, but there will always be love and there will always be worship. We worship because we love him. We love him because he first loved us. He wants to give you better days because he loves you, not just to have a big church or a lot of people. Jesus loves people. He actually does. Men love crowds. Jesus loves people. He actually loves people. He actually does. That's why you can treat the waiter just as good as someone is a CEO because they're made in the image of God. How we love people is not dependent on their actions. It's dependent on who lives us. And because the Holy Spirit lives us, we are commanded to forgive. You don't have a choice. You, and what happens is people say, I'll forgive, but I'm going to set a certain date. And when you do that, that rotten tree plants a seed. You need to quickly forgive. If I can give one piece of advice to all people starting out in ministry, quickly forgive. People will hurt you. I don't go to Mexico for people. I go for Jesus. I don't give to the epicenter. I give to Jesus. I don't preach because of you. I preach to Jesus. Why? Because I love you. Look, I, the last two months, just for me personally, this is a little side note, ooh, little infomercial. There's two words that have been coming up in a lot my, in light and fruit. Friends, I don't want my identity to be in preaching. I want it to be as someone who loved God and showed it. Because love needs to be demonstrated, not talked about. Just, uh, I was going to, someone asked me to minister their wedding. It didn't happen, but they asked me, uh, and they, the, the, the wife, the future bride says, I don't want you to read 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody reads it. So I told the husband later, I said, yeah, everybody reads it, but not everybody demonstrates it. You can quote it, but not live it. Pharisees quoted Scripture, but didn't live it. The Pharisees actually knew more Scripture than the, than the, than the uh, disciples. Because they were fishing, and they were studying, but they followed Jesus. Jesus says, this is how the world will know you are my disciples. Anybody know? Love. For one another, not your power, not your gifts, not your
your healings, not your crowds. Cults have some of the biggest crowds, and they do have manifestations. That's not why we're here. We're to demonstrate the love of God. When we're hated, we love. When, we, when people abuse us, we love. When they cuss at us, well, they love. When they don't want to hear evangelism, they love. They, do you know how many people have are Christians now after rejecting the gospel multiple, multiple, multiple times? What pursued them love? God doesn't go, oh, one time you're out. He knocks, he knocks, he knocks. What's Jesus, the Bible does not say Jesus is waiting outside, and when you want him, you go outside and he'll meet you. What? Love pursues. He's knocking, he's knocking, he's knocking, he's knocking. And love doesn't bang down the door. We have to open up to love. We have to let the lover out. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to love. We can choose to hate. We can make those choices as Christians, friend. Some of the meanest people are Christians. I'm not talking about anybody in here. I'm not talking about anybody in here. Jesus, his hardest critics, the people that fought him the most, the people that crucified him were the religious. The ones that read the Torah but didn't live it. They wanted to kill Jesus, but they couldn't do it because it was a celebration day, so they couldn't enter the temple. How dumb is that? You're going to kill God, but you can't enter the temple because you don't want to be unclean. Friends, that is a height of deception. Standing before Pontius Pilate, Pontius goes, don't you know I have power over you? Power wasn't, you don't only reason you have power is because power is given to you. When I read that story, I think about the day Pontius Pilate's going to stand before Jesus Christ and give an account for his life. How it switched. See, we see things in the natural. Jesus standing before Pontius, not realizing it's the plan. You cannot look at your life in the natural. My brother cut his arms. For When I say cut his arms, I'm not talking his cigarette burns. You can see him today. Cut his arms, cigarette burns, driving drunk. I was praying for him. I didn't go two months. You're not saying, Psh, loser. You got a hard heart. No, I kept praying, kept praying. Why? Love prays, love prays. I just felt the love of God. I felt the love of God for my brother. That's the way God wants to fill us for every souls. Every, every, we have a list and you pray for souls. There needs to be someone you, if there's no one you're praying for salvation, get someone. Think about someone. There needs to be, not just I hope they get saved. Go into the prayer room. God, I want them to get saved. Their love pursues, love prays, love cares, love worships, love gives. You can give without love, loving, but you cannot love without giving. You can pay tithes without loving, but friends, you cannot love without giving. When you love, you give. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave, he gave, he gave. He didn't think about it. He didn't talk about it. He didn't put it on a prayer list. He didn't put it on a dream board. He actually gave. Love is an action word. Then you're like, John, why are you yelling? So fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Whose fruit is it? The Holy Spirit. The tree bears the fruit, right? The fruit is meant for others. Not the tree. It's for others to pick. It's others to enjoy. But if it sits there too long, it falls and rots. And some of us don't let others to pick our fruit because we don't let it go full because it's not ripe. You don't pick a fruit. It's like too hard or too this or like, like, eh, like the angles in this. And so I started looking at my life. And this, this message is not for this person or that person or what they did. This person is for me and you. Amen? When I look at my life, I'm like, okay, so I can... And it's not trying to be nice. Like, I need to be nicer. No, I need to be more loving. And Holy Spirit, I need you to love through me. I need you to give me the love that you have for the Father and the Son. Because I cannot love God without the love of God. I cannot demonstrate his love without his love. God wants signs, wonders, miracles. He wants to demonstrate those things. Why? To demonstrate his love. 
It's not so that we can go, I went on the street, laid hands, and someone got healed. Look at me. It's because God loved them so much, he demonstrates his love. And even though he heals them, they might not receive him right then, but until they walk to the grave, he's always demonstrating his love. People come in, get a prophetic word, wow, God has a plan for my life, and they go out and live their own life. There's people that used to sit in these seats, and I pray for that they're not here. Friends, love doesn't throw people away. Love pursues. And if God was like some of us, you would not be sitting in that seat. But he, time after time after time after time, he puts his hand out, he puts his hand out, he puts his hand out. So we do all those things, moving all those gifts and things. Why? Because of love. We need to be motivated by love, not to demonstrate power. Jesus didn't go, I'm going to demonstrate power. He goes, I'm going to love. I'm going to seek and save that which is lost. I'm going to heal because I love people, to destroy the works of the devil. When people are getting healed, you're destroying the works of the devil. You know how many young people have anxiety and depression? This generation, so many, so many have anxiety and depression. Love, look, the answer is from the church. Why? Through us, but not from us. Let me correct that. It's, it's from God, but through us. The church is to have the answers, not go, look how bad the world is. Jesus, when are you coming back? What sign is this? What Israel is this? What, uh, Jesus went through all the signs. You know the sign that disturbed him the most? He says, the love of many will grow cold. That's the one. It wasn't wars. It wasn't rumors of wars. It was the love of many. Jesus said, the sun's coming back, but will he find faith on the earth? Those things are going to happen. But this gospel, will, the kingdom, will be preached. Friends, that is the sign we need to focus on. Not who's it, who's this, who's the Antichrist. What are the, those things are side issues. The main issue is love. The main issue is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom operates by love. Love is the most powerful force. It's more powerful than any drug addiction. It's more powerful than any addiction in the world. It's more powerful than heroin is the love of God. It's more powerful than the person that backslides a hundred times is the love of God. It's more powerful than my brother burning his arms it was the love of God. I would go into work, there was a couch, I'd get there at 7.30 and I'd hit the knees many times because God would say pray for him. Why? Love was telling me at this moment, John, I need you to stand in the gap. When you pray, it's not just praying through a list. It's touching the one that loves the world. I was praying in tongues one time and I just had the sense I was praying for a little girl in China. She didn't know me, I didn't know her, but we had a connection from heaven. Friends, love will connect you with people you don't even know do we love now I'm saying do I love and I have to say no not like him but it's possible it's possible if I'm willing to go you know what I repent I change my mind I don't want to lo love at the level I've been loving I want to love at his level it's possible God will meet you right where you're at but friends you will not stay there they were fishermen and tax collectors but they did not stay there he said follow me but they had to follow him they could have stayed with their dad what their dad always did what their generations always did but he said follow me and I want to speak to just real quick I have this down I want to speak to those by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. I want us to talk to those people that are in your family. You know, some of you, your parents take you to church, and that's awesome. And, uh, but I didn't grow up that way. I grew up with my dad not liking the fact that I became a Christian at 13, but I would ride my bike. I feel like just people that are listening to this podcast or someone, I just feel like there's, there's, you may be the first one in your family to get saved. You are going to face persecution and resistance and those things, but God wants you to choose to love. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and, say, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. You will have opposition. It's from Satan. 
And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Somebody's got to be first. Lena says, unless the first one gets healed, it's the second one's easy. Friends, I was the first one in my family, but I wasn't the last. Then came my brother. Then came my mom. Then came my dad two weeks before he died. See, John, 13 years old, when my dad made fun of me, I kept loving. I kept praying. I kept. I didn't stop going to church. Why? Because I was not a Christian for my dad. God did not ask my dad, can I have a plan for John? Heaven didn't ask. Heaven doesn't ask man. Heaven asked man, will you follow me? Do you agree? Not if, is this a plan good for you? My dad got saved. Why? Because I kept praying and not hating. When my dad would make fun of me, my own dad would make fun of me for going to church. When they'd celebrate my brother, because he would do all kinds of like, you know, stupid, stupid boy things, and I wasn't. I was gentle. I was soft. You're like, when, John? When? When I was young. Why? But at night, I would talk to the one, the lover. Pray for your family. Why? 13, if I could do it at 13, you could do it right where you're sitting. My dad was an alcoholic, he was abusive. He was all those things, but he wasn't Jesus to me. When you give them that power, you're saying, you're my God. When you give someone the power of unforgiveness, you're saying, you're my God, you're greater than Jesus. That's really what you're saying. Looking at Jesus on the cross, you're saying, my unforgiveness is more powerful than that. We need to release that. Because God wants a revival of love just as much as signs, wonders, and miracles. In fact, if you read the Bible, actually more. Because people get healed, and they get prophesied over, and they leave the church. And When I say leave the church, I'm not, they have nothing to do, and they die and go to hell. Friends, he doesn't want that. He'd rather have them be in a wheelchair and go to heaven because of love. Now, with God, we can have both. It's not either or. But we pray for people. We care for people. The person at the Walmart checking out. Like, I love, for me, I love the people watch. I love people watching. We go to August. I think about their lives. I think about the, I do. I think about, Alicia even says, she goes, you're so nice to waiters and waitresses. Like, I always think about the servers and their lives and this and how, how blessed we are to sit in this church to know God. Do you know how people we pass on the road that have no, no knowledge of God? They have no knowledge of God. I think about that. Lord, you saved me when I was 13. You know how many other 13-year-olds aren't saved? Still my friends. I go on their high school. They're still like, eh, doing this, doing that, doing that. And I'm saved. Why? He plucked me like a brand from the fire. Why? To make a brand and a mark on my family. Why? To make a brand in Mexico. Why? To make a brand. Now, when I was 13 and received him, I didn't even think about that. And you know what I said? God, I know you don't use people like me, but I'm still going to serve you. That's how beat down I was from my dad. But I didn't let that hate stop me. I kept loving God. I didn't let that hate stop me. I kept riding my bike to church. Church on the hill. It was a big old church on the hill. I was just like, I had to get off my bike, Aaron. I had to push my bike up the hill. But on the way back, if there was no cars at the stop signs, I could go down so far. It was over a mile. I went back and drove it. It was over a mile. And every time I was happy, every time I was excited, every time God met me. Why? Because he didn't care what my mom thought or my dad thought or my brothers thought or what they were doing. He cared about me and him. When you meet God, the lover, the lover can come out for other people. Love moves and acts and it demonstrates. Love is demonstration. Listen, young people are going to come in. Old people are going to come into middle age, all these people. But God wants to make us lovers of one another, to actually care about someone. See, when I go to Mexico, I'm going to Mexico for Christmas because I'm like, I'm going to give toys for Christmas. I mean, you know, I just feel like I need to go down there for Christmas time and give toys to these kids. These kids are migrants. Some of them don't have moms and dads. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, and some, some of you guys went with me and you see the love. I just want to love on those kids. Why? Because God loves. 
He don't care if I have a Christmas there or a Christmas here or Thanksgiving. When he says go, I'm going to go. Why? It's not a big sacrifice. I can't say, I'm going, to, I'm going to Mexico for Christmas. You won't be here. I know. Such a sacrifice. Pray for John. Jesus died on the cross while we were yet sinners. Not when we were trying to be good, when we weren't. In fact, the very people that took him to the cross, he forgave. Forgive them for they know not what they do. The one that betrayed him, he still washed his feet. He didn't skip them. See, we want to skip feet. I wash your feet, your feet, your feet. Not your feet. Not your feet. Not your feet. See, we don't have a choice. When you become a Christian, you lost your right to be racist. When you became a Christian, you lost your right to hate men or hate, hate women. You gave up that right. Now, you still may take it up, but that's not a right. You're acting like the devil. Tell straight people and say, stop acting like the devil. No. <laughs> Amen. So what does God care about? Love. Faith, hope, and love. These three remain, but the greatest. Say the greatest. The greatest is love. And inside you lives a lover, and that is the Holy Spirit. And he enables you to love when you're hurt. He enables you to love when they talk bad about you. He enables you to love. Friends, this is not some message that I just put together. From 13 till so many years, I lived it in his house, making fun. I was a, I, I still, he would let me go, but still make fun of me. That was fun. That was weird. But I would go, and God would meet me. I remember one time I was in church, and there was a situation that was really bugging me at home, and I'd pray and pray and pray, and there was a tongues and interpretations. You know, that church had a lot of tongues and interpretations, and the interpretation was, God sees your situation. He sees your problem. I'll handle it. I drove away knowing that was for me. 13 years old, didn't have a lot of sermons. I knew that was for me. Now, as we get older, we get smarter, and we think, was that really for me? With deliverance in the room, was that really for me? When Lena says, go back to those good days, was that really for me? But as a child, I received it without questioning. But as an adult, we get smarter because what we do is we go by our experiences. I believed before and they weren't healed. I prayed for them and they weren't healed. So God, here's my experiences. But as a 13-year-old boy, I didn't have that. My slate was clean. And what he wants to do, who's the greatest, Jesus? And he grabbed a little child. Unless you come like a little child. Friends, we need to wash our hearts clean, meaning we don't bring to God the reasons why, why it won't, why it couldn't, why it shouldn't, why it didn't. We bring to God us and our faith like a child. I drove down that, my, I cruised, Vic, I was cruising that day because I knew God was speaking to me. The next week, boom, it was solved. Why? Because I believed. Now would I believe? Eh. You know who I was for? I believe that for Kirk. Kirk needs it. Look at Kirk. Because we get smart. When the disciples were not smart, they would sit and listen to Jesus teach. And the people would come. And the scribes and Pharisees hated Jesus because he took their attention away from them. And your past doesn't want the attention taken away from it. I prayed for people. I prayed for my mom didn't get healed. It wasn't God's fault. I could have stopped there. Randy Clark and Bill Johnson, two of the people, if you want to know anything about healing, they're probably two of the greatest. Really. Bill Johnson says, if you want to know more about healing than anybody, it's Randy Clark. Randy Clark brings it back to John Wimber. John Wimber used to pray for a lot of sick people. If you don't know who John Wimber was, he was in the Jesus movement in the vineyard. He would pray for people, and he goes, they got sicker. He wanted to give up 
give up praying for the sick. If he would have gave up, would it have touched, wouldn't have touched Bill Johnson and it wouldn't have touched Randy Clark. But when they go see Randy Clark and Bill Johnson, they don't always hear those stories. They just think, oh, it's just Bill Johnson. No, he goes, I, it was John Wimber. And John Wimber got tired of praying for the sick. And he goes, one day this guy calls me. He goes, well, back, there, there was, he goes, back then there was a curtain. We used to pray for you behind the curtain. He goes, we started getting sicker. <laughs> My elder goes, I'm not going behind that curtain one more time. And he calls John crying. He goes, I went home, and I opened my Bible, and it says, behold, I dwell behind the curtain. <laughs> John Wimber goes, I was just, just sick. God, like, no one's getting healed. We're getting sicker. No one's getting sick. But he didn't stop. See, he didn't bring his experiences. I'm going to stop because it's not. And he goes, this man calls me and goes, John, I need you to come. Come, my wife's in bed. She's sick. She, and I got to go to work. So John on the way over there is, oh, man. He goes, he didn't know how, he had no faith or whatever. So he goes and he prays for, prays for her. And he goes, this woman was sick, sick. He goes like that. He goes, sick, sick. He goes, no woman will let you see her like this. She was sick. <laughs> no makeup, hair. And so John goes, I prayed for her. And then I turned around to the husband and I started telling him all the reasons why God doesn't heal. And the man just looked like this. And he looked past me. I looked around. And she was up. And John goes, what are you doing? She goes, you healed me. He goes, I didn't heal you. God healed you. So on the way home, John Wimber goes, we got one. And across the sky, John goes, I saw a vision. He goes, I saw this honey substance dripping from heaven. Some people were eating it and happy. Other people were going, ew. God says, John, that's my mercy. Don't ever beg me for healing again. Love gives mercy. Love gives hope. The fact that you even care about those that are sick is because of the love of God. We cannot just care about the sick because we read a scripture and he says heal the sick. We actually have to give his compassion if we're going to move like Jesus. Jesus moved, he was moved with compassion and then he moved physically. Not just, I feel bad for them. That's not compassion. Compassion is I have empathy and I actually care for them. I'm actually going to move for them. Rick Warner, who I don't really listen to, but The Purpose Driven Life is really a great book. I was reading an article by his, his wife, who I just got a lot of respect for. She goes, we're at the time in our life when the church, we resigned the church. We had all this money. We're going around. She goes, life was good. We worked. We did this. Life was good. And she goes, I'm reading a magazine one day about AIDS in Africa. And God goes, I want you to do something. And she took the magazine and she threw it. And she goes, God, I'm just a housewife. Well, he kept dealing with her. Because why? Because God loves and love pursues and just doesn't go by your first answer. When you say no, love still goes. When they say they don't want to receive Jesus, we keep praying because love keeps pursuing. When they say, oh, no, we don't want revival, no, we keep praying because love. When there was nobody getting healed, John Wimber kept praying for people. Why? Because love, love pursues. Love pursues. Love acts. Love cares. Love gives. Love prays. Love preaches. Love loves. And so she started working with this thing, whole Africans thing. But what she did, she didn't bring her experience. We can't just bring our past and go, okay, God, here is everything that I've ever done. Here's thing that here's my greatest point. Here's my greatest failure. And we th what's weird is we can't think we get to a greater point, but we think we can get to a worse point. I don't know why we just we just think it can get worse, but it can't get better. And God's like, don't you know who I am? I am the resurrection and the life. It is not a separate source from me. It is in me. The reason why I can bring 
dead brings back to life is because I am the one that walks among tombs. The see, tombs don't scare Jesus. He actually went to the tombs. And there was a demoniac where no one could touch, and he set the demoniac for. See, graves don't scare Jesus. In fact, he says, I need to borrow it for three days. You can have it back, but I need to borrow it for three days. We need God has borrowed your depression or borrowed your discouragement or borrowed it. When you borrow it, you give it back. God, here, he borrowed the tomb. I'm going to raise up in three days. Hey, don't buy it. Just put a just put a, a lease on it for three days. When the disciples said Jesus died, period, and a lot of us look at our past and say well, he got sick, period. He got cancer, period. He's dead, period. You prayed for those and he didn't get healed, period. Your dad made fun of you, period. But the author and finisher of our life is still writing. And out of that, your brother got saved. And out of that, your mom got saved. And out of that, your dad got saved two weeks before he died. And he get, and my brother said the whole room filled with the, the Spirit of God. Why? Because there was a 13-year-old boy who did not listen to man. There was a 13-year-old boy who had his slate clean. But now we get older. Now we get smarter. Now we get mature. Now we know the scriptures to quote. Now we can tell you they did. She did. They, they took my money. They took my heart. They took my friend. Jesus took it all. So you can decide to let the lover out, and you have to receive his love first. Jesus said, I'll give you two commandments. And actually, he gave us three. We won't go into that. He says, later he gives you another commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love others as yourself. Love others as yourself. There's a lot of people that hate themselves so they can't love others. They feel shame and guilt so they can't love others. They can't call you because they have such a spirit of rejection on you to invite you somewhere. Because if you say no, then they take it personal. They said, did you see that they look at me and everything becomes personal or this or that? Friends, you will be hurt again. Sorry. And it will hurt. And some of you will cry and some of you pain. But if you take it to him, he can give you a clean slate again. So when you come in on Sunday and Lena goes, I feel like some of us need to go back. Well, all of us need to go back to those good times. And we don't go, oh, that's for someone else. I'm too old for that. God, here's, here's my experience. So, Lord, we rebuke, refuse our experiences. God, we give you our past. What shoulda, coulda, woulda, didn't work. The time we tied and we still had our bills. The time we prayed to my mom. My mom died from cancer and I still pray for her. But I walked out going, Lord, she's in your hands. She's perfectly healed now. And I don't question God. I just go back to his throne room and say, God, I know more. There's more power, more spirit. And just like every great healing evangelist is a healing evangelist or minister because they didn't quit. Because they didn't stop. Love doesn't stop. Love doesn't quit. Love the Jesus walked the earth and he actually loved people. Sitting at the well talking to one woman. One. Solamente una. One person. Go get your friends and go get a crowd. Then I'll preach to them. I'm going to talk to the one and the one's going to go back to the many and the many are going to come and they're going to eat and receive my words. Because Jesus sees past our circumstances and our situations. You think, I'm 20-some years old, sitting at the epicenter, not realizing week after week after week you're getting filled up and stirred. You want to activate something, you can activate the lover that lives in you. You want to activate gifts and power and spirit, activate the lover that lives in you. So, Lord, I thank you for the activation of your spirit that lives in us to love, to love ourselves, to love others, to love our family. Jesus says, Jerusalem, Samaria, to the other parts of the world. I remember I was praying for my dad one day. I was actually begging God. I says, God, I don't want to go around the world and preach, and my dad's not saved. And he says, it is done. That's the only time I ever stopped praying before I saw something. It's done. I didn't go, was that really God? I knew. Friends, there's sometimes you need to know. And you keep going back for confirmation, 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 and all this time goes, time goes, time goes. You need to know. 
You need to know who you are, that you're a son, that you're a child, that he's called you, that he loves you, that he has a plan for your life because he loves you. He has many things to say because he loves you, not just so you have a great plan for your life and to show off and to be this. Some of us are not going to be known. That's not about it. It's about making him known. And the ones that are going to be well-known, it's to make him known. It's about being effective in the kingdom, not being well-known. And I'll tell you what, when I, when I go minister and some people are, are more well-known than others. When I, when I go with my interpreter, they'll say, this is an intercessor in the church. I'll stop and I'll say, I'd rather have one intercessor than a thousand ministers. I would. I'd rather have one person praying about the services, praying for me for, than, than a, thousand, a thousand preachers. Why? Because in prayer, when you go to God in prayer and you talk to him in prayer and worship, you can affect atmospheres. Daniel prayed and affected a kingdom. Daniel lived through four kings, Kirk. Four. You're going to go through many, many different businesses. Just like Daniel, you're going to go through businesses, and like they're going to have little kingdoms, Kirk, but I see you going to different places, and it's like it's not one area, Kirk, it's many. And Daniel lived through four different kingdoms. Four. Why? Because that was God's plan for his life. And he prayed on the first day, but no one told Daniel, hey, day 21, you're going to have a breakthrough. He kept praying. See, you don't know. Daniel, keep praying on day. I was sent the first day. He hears us when we pray. We don't know why there's resistance, why they're still not here. There's certain people, I, I need to see their face back in church, friends. It's not enough. It's not church to me without them. See, they're a family, amen? We need to bring them back. So, Lord, I thank you for every prodigal child, every prodigal son, mom, dad, every prodigal God that's known you and walked with you one way or another but still not following you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your will and your perfect to bring them back into the kingdom. God, I thank you for the adding of the atmosphere, Lord. I thank you for Sunday mornings, God, to, to we can receive and activate the lover that lives in us, not just care about prophecy, signs, wonders, and healings, but we know the motive is always love. We speak to those at work because we love them, not just to say, I have 10 more people here. We call people. We care. We walk in a room. Everybody's made in the image of God. We can treat everybody equal. We don't treat other people. I'm not saying you're going to be closer to them. I'm saying you can love people just the same. Amen? So, to close, and I have two minutes, and I'm going to close in two minutes, promise. I said, I give it to the candle. When we bring our past to God, and lay it at his feet, not speak it to his face. When we lay it at his feet, the shoulda, woulda, coulda, disappointments, he can resurrect what he wants to resurrect and leave buried what he wants buried. God told Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, rise. How would you like that? Welcome to the ministry. Joshua, everything you trusted on is dead. What you thought was going to leave you in the promised land is dead. And I buried his bones so you wouldn't take his bones in the promised land. Look at great Moses. It's dead. Friends, some of the stuff we relied on, it is dead. That last church, that last this, the revival, that it's dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. But God didn't stop there. See, we'd stop there. Moses is dead. Hey, guys, everything relied on is dead. Let me just finish my life like this. Therefore, arise. Therefore, arise. John, your dad is persecuting you. Therefore, arise. Therefore, arise. So, Lord, arise is a resurrection. So I thank you for the resurrection, God. Let's just stand. God, we give you our past, our discouragements, our history. God, we give you our history, shoulda, woulda, coulda. God, I thank you for every minister that never quit, that kept praying, that kept believing, that Bill Johnson and Randy Clark, oh, John Wimber. John Wimber went through years and no one still. God, we don't quit. Follow me, not just the scriptures. We've won 
He told the scribes and the Pharisees, you point to the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. But they are the ones that point to me, but you're not willing to come to me. It's about a person. The resurrection is a person. The scripture, the word, points to a person. So Lord, we thank you that we can be lovers. We can demonstrate your power, your prophecy, your signs, wonders, and miracles because we love. This, by the world, will know you are my disciples. Love for one another. Amen.